All right, welcome back into the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Texas Rangers win their first title in franchise history, taking the World Series trophy back to the Dallas Metroplex for the first time. Uh, Bruce Bochy becomes the sixth manager with four or more titles. What a wizard he is, man. And just to have everything come together the way it did for Texas, really cool. We are counting down to Bedlam, but it's a good Thursday night of football. You get TCU, Texas Tech tonight. And as always, we're spending our Thursdays at Cavens Group. Disaster response, 13 years in business. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Search Cavens Group. Water extraction, structural drying, emergency response. I was talking to Gary. He's going to join us in 30 minutes. Uh, mold testing, mold removal, mold-free construction for new service, uh, which is a new service. And crime scene cleanup, 405-573-3048. All right, did you say True was on hold, or did I dream that? I did say that. You did not dream it. True Sooner, what's going on, man? Welcome to the program. Okay, so you guys were talking about favorite OSU memories, and I got three, sure. of, them that pop into my, three, three of them that pop into my mind. So I learned a very valuable lesson as a teenager at the 83 OU-OSU game because me and a buddy of mine went up there to the game, and uh, – OSU is ahead 20 to three with nine minutes to go in the game. This is, this is the day that Barry Switzer gave the game ball to the band. Uh, anyway, That's right. they, so OSU, I don't know if you if you have a recollection or you, you know, I'm sure you don't have a recollection, but anyway, but, but they're up 20, OSU is up 20 to three. OU scores 18 points in the last nine minutes of the fourth quarter to win it 21 to 20. And my buddy talked me into leaving early. Um, when OSU was up 20 to three, and as we were walking back to the car, is when OU was scoring their 18 points. That's the Tim Lasher one where the, mm-hmm. Tim Lasher kicked the, kicked the uh, onside kick, and and they he was the only one that they told to kick it or whatever. What, I heard Switzer tell the story. He was the only one. The mm-hmm. rest of them thought it was going to be kicked deep. Kick deep. Anyway, he he thought it was an onside kick, and he oh, fortunately OU was able to recover it, and then Lasher kicked the game-winning field goal in the last few seconds of the game. So that, that one sticks out. The 88 Gaddis game, Gaddis versus Sanders game, I was at that one, that ESPN game. Um, the Gaddis, got, you know, RIP uh, had, I think he had, didn't he have more yards than Sanders did that day? They both were up around 250, right? Uh, I'm looking right now. I want to say they both were up around 250. And then the 90 game, the 90 game, I believe it was 90 or 91, uh, OU OU gets off the field right before halftime. I think that it's over with. Pat Jones goes crazy. He says, I called a timeout. Get them back out there on the field. They have to go into the locker room to bring OU back onto the field for that three seconds. OU decides, instead of punting it from the 50-yard line, they decide to go ahead and throw it. And Kel Gundy throws a touchdown pass to Adrian Peterson as time's running out in the first half. Uh, Ad- not Adrian forced- Peterson. I'm sorry, Adrian Cooper. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Adrian Cooper. As time's running out, so, so, so you know, OSU throws a fit, makes OU come back onto the field for the last three seconds, and that's when, when Gundy throws a touchdown pass. So that's the three that I remember. Let me, ask you, let me ask you guys one quick question. You think it's a foregone conclusion that Texas is going to win out? Because I don't think so. No, and I think that there is a part of me true. Josh and I were just talking about this a couple breaks ago. I... I don't know. I don't know. 
why I believe that Texas is going to win out. I can't I can't sell you on it. They're playing. I like Malik Murphy, their backup quarterback, a lot. I think they've got a lot of weapons. But I look at their schedule, and, like, my my brain tells me, oh, yeah, there's, someone's going to get them. Like, Kansas State's playing really good football. But Kansas right, State right. also went on the road and got smoked by Oklahoma State. Well, smoked's a little bit unfair. But they were in control of that game. Um, I don't I don't know, Josh. I don't know why it's just I look at them like, eh, I don't think so. I think they might run the table because that's a pretty difficult stretch they have, including that Iowa State game yeah. for Texas. You would think well, it's Houston, either this either this weekend or in Ames because yeah. right now it's hard to see them losing at TCU or versus Texas Tech. I you know I, I know we you know we think about the last game and all that, but I mean, did you watch the Houston game? I mean, the, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, so so I don't think I don't think it's a I think everybody just thinks that. K State's really they, good. I, I I think K State's going to win the game. Do you, I, Matt will really screw things up. Yeah, that'd hmm. be great. We'll see you guys. Thanks for the call, True. I see you. I don't see you, but I'll see you. I think is the best way to. I'll put see that. you when I see you. <laughs> I don't know why, man. I just. I still think we're on a collision course for a an OU Texas rematch in the Big Twelve Championship game. If uh, if they win this weekend, then yeah, I think so too. Now, if Texas loses this weekend, well ooh, then boy. then we might get uh, OUK State. <laughs> we might get OUK State. Uh, there could be a chance. Then I think. And now again, I'm assuming that Oklahoma wins out. Boy, Oklahoma's stretch. Oklahoma's latter half of the schedule, that stretch went from in the preseason, man, schedule's pretty easy, heading down the stretch. Ah, it looks like they got, who's going to beat them? Now all of a sudden, you get beat by Kansas in Kansas, which is a top 25 team. You got to go to Stillwater where suddenly Ollie Gordon's, you know, may, may, maybe the Heisman front runner, right? With what he's done recently. Yeah. You come home for a West Virginia team that vastly has improved. played – is playing much better. You got to go to BYU, which is incredible at home. And I, I guess really only the TCU game is the game where you look back and maybe that's not viewed as challenging now as it was maybe in the preseason, right? So it's wild how it's kind of flipped a bit for Oklahoma in that you thought, man, they get by Texas, look out. Well, suddenly you don't play all that well against UCF. You get beat by Kansas. And both OSU and West Virginia are playing much better. I think everyone's kind of understood how challenging that's going to be at Provo from the from the get go. And yet, I would tell you, if you get through this weekend, probably Oklahoma's finishing eleven and one. Yeah. Gosh, what a game! What a game! What 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 a bunch of storylines around it! I can't wait. All right, you want to start with some Demarco here? Let's do just that. So, this week on Coach's Corner. I asked DeMarco Murray about the running back rotation. How do they determine it? What goes into it? What has he seen that helps him lay out his running back rotation? Um, I think it's, you know, you look at it just kind of, you know, who's doing what and, and obviously the game plan and, you know, how we're running the ball effectively. You know, um, you want obviously one or two guys in there. You want to keep guys fresh. You want to get one guy rolling, um, you know, and for us, you know, I think the last two to three weeks has been 
more so, you know, one to two guys. And again, for us, man, you want to find that, continue to feed that guy as he, you know, develops chemistry, gets rolling, you know, throughout the course of the game. But, um, you know, we, we've done a good job of, you know, trying to play one or two guys. And obviously, you know, you still want to get young guys, you know, experience because they're the future. We're going to need them at some point, and obviously injuries happen. You know, we've been beat up a little bit, but, um, you know, so you just got to continue to find guys reps and, and get them as much experience as you can. Just so you know, I'm not eating during that clip. What happened was DeMarco's mic was like right on his zipper, so it kind of caught his zipper every now and then for those of you who have the volume up. Like I said, Josh, it's it's a good answer. right? Hey, you know, it's going to depend on who's it, – it's, it's the answer. But it's not anything that's going to make Oklahoma fans feel better about the rotation, is it? No, probably not. No. How, how do you – what's just your general vibe check? Uh, how do you think DeMarco's feeling about things? So, I think DeMarco is one of the best talkers that Oklahoma has when he wants he's a professional to be right he when he wants to be whenever he is whenever he's ready to roll man the dude is one of the best interviews that oklahoma has but there's other times when it's like i got a lot going on you know the last thing i want to be is sitting here doing it i'm just i'm reading his mind right but you can just tell that you know this is this is a responsibility this is a chore not not a moment to kind of get away and chill and talk about your team, right? It's I got this. One sick. extra thing. Oh, go ahead. Right, it's one extra thing. The show. The show is what I'm talking about. When I tell you on Monday, it was as upbeat as he's ever been. It was as upbeat as he's ever been. Now, whoa. That doesn't mean he's happy that they lost. It's just there was this little hint of confidence and i don't know if maybe that was when they looked at the that looked at the game tape and they realized that um oklahoma state might be vulnerable i'm just i'm i'm vamping here right My, maybe oklahoma state's vulnerable maybe it was an update on the knee or, or the ankle of Tawi walker you know maybe it was something that you know he saw on tape that his guys did well i don't know but he was as open and as upbeat as he's ever been on that show. And that's coming off a loss. And sometimes, I, I think I learned this from, from Dave Sittler, sometimes coaches are a little bit better in the media after a loss, and that for, for some weird reason. You never want to talk to them, but it's almost as if, hey, this is, this is where we are, and we're going to find out, right? They're not happy, but it's just there's a little bit more – Oh, it's I don't. It's not positive. It's not happy. It's just openness, Josh. After a loss, sometimes, and I just I thought Demarco was. You could tell he wasn't happy they lost, but just there was this little hint of where I think everyone wanted him to walk and be like, "I hate our running backs. Everyone is not me. Our room is terrible." And tomorrow, Smothers and Hicks are getting the ball. That wasn't it. <laughs> that wasn't it. So less fire and we, brimstone than expected, huh? Right, right, it, and, and more, and more talkative, and I like that. So here's here's a little bit more on 
the running backs, the running game in the KU loss. How did he feel about the running game in the KU loss? This was the the one that when he said it, I was like, yeah, I don't know how people are going to feel about this. but Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you look at it holistically, um, and, and again, you, you ran the ball effectively, and um, best of date for us. Um, and, you know, for me, the, the most important thing is, you know, the four-minute drive. You know, obviously two minutes left in the game, you want to be able to finish that as a runner, um, no matter what the case is. And for us, man, we, we preach and have pride in those situations where hey we gotta we gotta go finish the game and and again for us you know obviously ran the ball well ran it effectively you know receivers blocked great downfield off obviously offensive line blocked well but um you definitely want to you know be in the victory you know at the end of that game uh and so you're wondering about javante bar i mean there's just really not much more to add to that right uh two more quick ones here Javante Barnes and his progress. You know, you think about Barnes, he's tough. Um, team first guy, um, you know, have battled battled some injuries. Um, obviously, you know, missed most of all the spring, missed 80% of camp, and, you know, just trying to continue to find ways to incorporate him, but also, you know, want to get him healthy. And, again, obviously at this position, this late in the season, nobody's 100%. Um, but, again, he, he's, he's able to come back along and, trying to find his groove and again just continue to get healthy he's fast he's strong and big and you know for us you know we want to protect number eight want to make sure that he doesn't get touched on our watch and give him the confidence that hey when you are in the game you're going to get that job done and you know he's gotten so much better from obviously year one year two and just this season in, in general and you know he he did some great things blocking you know he, he picked up some really good obviously protection but also in the QB run game. So for me, that, that definitely earns you to trust and, and, you know, just giving him more and more opportunities, obviously trying to get him as many reps as possible to get him caught up. Interesting. Get him as many reps as – right, see? So why can he not run effectively then? <laughs> How did he miss that hole that would have ended the ball game? So that got me thinking a little bit, Josh. I think on Saturday night against Oklahoma State, I think Javante Barnes is going to play a lot. And here's my reasoning. A, I don't know how healthy Toby Walker is. But B, I think he's the best pass protection back we have. And I also think he's I think he's one of the better blocking backs that we have. And I feel like the game plan on Saturday might involve a lot of eight running the football. Kind of like we saw against Texas. Do you want one more from DeMarco? You want to hear about what he thinks on Gavin Sawchuck and his development? I I do. Uh, Real quick, though. Go ahead. Any reason why you think we'll see more quarterback uh, run game? I think it can be effective against Oklahoma State. That's my – that is my – if if you would say that we have a guy in Teddy Lehman that could probably be a defensive coordinator in college football tomorrow, right? That is my Madden 10-time world champion opinion on what I see from the Oklahoma State defense. So you, you, I don't know what Teddy's saying, like a real man, a real defense, like Tommy Bacon real man. Like he understands the game and he gets it and he knows what's going on. In my kind of video game mind, I watch and I'm like, I think there's something there for Dylan Gabriel if Oklahoma does similar to what they did against Texas. 
my very unprofessional opinion. Because, I mean, they got two really good backers, dude. Two really good backers, Oklahoma State does. But I just, if Oklahoma State's offensive line plays as, to its ex, to its level of expectation, I think they should have some success. But you, does that surprise you at all? Or is, would you rather see it be the running back having success in the run game like I would too so you can minimize the hits on Dylan Gabriel? I, I don't mind the quarterback run game being a legitimate part of why Oklahoma is successful running the football. I just think that uh, – you need a nice combination of both and probably for this offense to opt you know, operate at premium efficiency, <laughs> you are going to run the quarterback. That's, that's a big part. I think of what Jeff Levy wants to do. So I don't have a problem doing it. It's just, you know, also be able to block things up and run with your <laughs> conventional running game. Did you see guys text? <laughs> I'm sorry. I promised myself I wouldn't look at the text line. I promised myself I wouldn't until. <laughs> Stay away. But, but Guy writes, why more QB run game? Oh, because without Walker, the traditional run game sucks. Uh, touche. Touche. All right, here is what DeMarco Murray said on Gavin Sawchuck. This was the – I think this was the last question that we asked him because, like I said, DeMarco was – he talked. I mean, I and I appreciate that. for Knowing that you have two – you know, 10-minute segments to fill. I love it whenever a coach comes in and likes to chat. Yeah, he's coming along. You know, obviously, you know, since the bye week, trying to get him as many reps as possible, get him caught up, him and Barnes. And, you know, I think it came at the right time for those two players. And, um, you know, he, he's doing a good job. You know, again, you got you got two young guys who, you know, Gavin, you look at it, he's really only played in three, four games in two years, you know. So he's, he's extremely young, but a guy that we need to, you know, you know, continue to trend in the right direction, continue to work hard, continue to be a great leader, and, um, you know, he's going to continue to help us, and I think he's going to play his best ball down the stretch for us. That'd be good. That'd be good. You know what? I um, I know we got a break, Josh. I know we got a break, and then we got Ted Riff, and Gary's going to come in here at 1030. I want to say that I was wrong. There was a uh, a text earlier this week that said – that I'm like, and Gavin Sawcheck didn't really seem to play all that well. And the texter said, I disagree. I don't think Gavin Sawchuk played poorly at all. And I went back and watched the uh, watch. Look at the game tape. And he's right. I, Gavin Sawchuk did not play poorly. He didn't play exceptionally, but he didn't play poorly. Yeah, he, he didn't play. Po- it, it wasn't a situation to where I should have said he struggled. But there's. There's like these little things in games that I wonder if they feel confident with Sawchuck out there. Pass protection, protecting the football, things of that nature. And I think, me personally, that's part of the reason why you saw Javante Barnes in that final drive. Because and I and we asked DeMarco about it. You'll have to listen to the show or download it on the podcast. But we asked DeMarco, hey, why Javante Barnes in that final drive? He goes, Well, because he fit what I felt would have given us the best chance for success in that moment. So he's basically saying, I made that call. But Which makes sense. I mean, if that's the, sure. the most well-rounded option, sure, that, 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 that makes sense. And yet, I, you know, Gavin, if he's your best runner, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe you hand it off to him. But the predictability angle to it is, is challenging. Quick break. 
when we come back, we'll, uh, Gary's going to join us to fill us in on everything going on here at Caven's Group. Uh, we'll hear from Ted Roof. You guys can react to DeMarco. Uh, the show is tonight. It airs, I believe it's 7 o'clock, on the ref locally on 1499.3 FM. Uh, and we'll tell you what Ted Roof has to say next. It's your sneak peek at Coach's Corner right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, so it's a Thursday, which means we're on the road at Caven's Emergency Response Group, 405-573-3048. We say hello to Gary Cavins. How's it going? It's going good. How are you, Chris? Are, are you going? I'm good. Are you going to Bedlam this weekend? I'm not. House divided, though. Do you guys 100%. watch the, the game in uh, two different rooms or anything, or how's it go? Sometimes. Sometimes okay. we have to. Sometimes we don't. You know, when OU's winning, you know, she's crying. And so, you know, <laughs> have to go somewhere. I will say this. My, my favorite thing about the Bedlam battle between the Cavens, Gary and Jessica, is how in on softball Jessica is. That's my favorite thing. Yes. She's all in. She probably is more excited about fall ball than she is football maybe. But for you, I think part of what makes Cavens so great you're getting ready for a Bedlam football game, right? And you're all you're an Oklahoma Sooner fan. You'll be all in. But if somebody has an emergency and they call that number, you and your crew, you'll be ready to go in a heartbeat, won't you? Hundred percent, hundred percent. We're ready to help. Twenty four seven, three sixty five. So what are we? We're getting in the midst now where we start worrying about water season, yeah, busted pipe season. I don't know if we dipped below freezing. I know we came close, but Gary, as we're preparing for that phase of the year. What are some things that everyone should be aware of, should really be taking, especially in businesses, too, because you get in those uh, multi-level issues, multi-level facilities, excuse me, they can have major issues. A hundred percent, Chris. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where you got to make sure you have heat on in rooms that you don't normally go in, heat on in stairways. Um, you know, you got to make sure that, you know, water ho- hoses are disconnected from the exterior faucets. Um, you know, there's, you know, making sure your heat on is a big thing a lot of times what we see is we see spaces where the heat's just not on and nobody turned it on and ever or somebody else thought somebody else turned it on and like a staircase or something like that and those lines froze and then they burst and then they flooded the building Um, and that's what you don't want to have happen promise i promise you that but if it does happen we're here 24 7 365 to help you and i can promise you we're the best team in the state if not the best team in the region we are just have we have the best equipment you know you know um, i had somebody ask me yesterday and they said hey you know the surf pro blackman mooring or um those other national brands have uh, more equipment than you and, and better trained guys than you and i was like no they don't when it comes to oklahoma we are the best trained we are the best equipped out there plain and simple i know we're local and we're family owned, but that doesn't mean that we are not the best trained and we don't have a multi-million dollar investment in equipment to come respond to these uh, disasters for you. Because we do, and we are the best in Oklahoma. What um, The investment that you've made in equipment is something that I wish that just every listener uh, that is wondering, well, how do they do it? Well, come on over, you know what I mean? Because it is wild, Gary. You guys have made such an investment in doing this the right way and doing it, you know, to where it can be effective and be lasting. What was that process for you whenever you're like, okay, these are what we need equipment-wise, this is what we need? What was that like whenever you guys went out and were building up that cachet of, I guess you could say, gear, right? It was a, It's a stair-step kind of program for us. You know, it's, it's, a, 
if I go after something, I go all in. Mm-hmm. I just do. I always have and always will. And, you know, and that's what, how we treat our commercial customers. We go all in to help them get back to business as soon as possible. But as far as the equipment, you know, me and, and Jessica Cavins have firmly believed that reinvesting in the company is the way to go from mm-hmm. day one. When we started out, we lived off her teacher salary for two years and reinvested every penny that the company made back in the company so cool and to this day we still believe in that we still believe in reinvestment reinvestment in training to our employees and our people and our management team and reinvesting in the best equipment and having the most equipment that we possibly can to, to respond to any emergency water um, mitigation situation that you might have, whether it's a sewage backup, flooding a basement or flooding a property, or a water pipe break or a toilet line break or a hot water tank break and flooding the property, um, we're here. Uh, groundwater intrusion after a heavy rain, we're here. We do it day in and day out. You know, I yesterday I sat in a room with some of the most influential people that I've ever met um, business-wise. And I was at a, um, we're going to leave the business nameless, but we have a big four-story plus property that has uh, major water intrusion issues and stuff like that. And we uh, sat with um, uh, investment companies from um, uh, Sweden. We sat with um, uh envelope consultants that do water intrusion stuff the best in the world we'll leave his name nameless right now too but he's a doctor in it um has published and just uh one of a kind wonderful gentleman we sat with lawyers uh two different law firms uh we sat with a couple of different management companies and they saw over the last six months they've seen our documentation process they've seen how we do business how we respond to their customers and take care of their customers at this property and um you know they they reached out to me uh yesterday evening after they got done meeting because we sat in the first half of the meeting and did our stuff and then we did and they called me and they said gary you are your team is far better than any other restoration uh, mitigation disaster response team that we've ever worked with. How cool. The documentation is on point. Uh, your team is on point. The training's there. The equipment is to respond is there. And you guys just have it have it perfect. And, you know, it's the greatest compliment that we could ever have because I was nervous walking into that meeting. I, I can mean, imagine, there are a lot yeah. of important people in there. <laughs> and anytime there's two different law firms involved, you, you know, you get really nervous. But, um, you know, they just uh, they were just thrilled with the package that we had done and what we had done for the ownership group and the investment group. And, you know, that's what we're here to do. And we do that day in and day out. You know, we fight that battle. We help fight the battle with the insurance company with documentation. We help fight uh, the mitigation of the loss, whether it's fire, mold, storm damage, crime scene, uh, with training and development, and then having the best tools in the market. When it comes to disaster response, water, fire, mold, storm damage, and crime scene, you hear us on the radio, you see our billboards, you see us in magazines, you hear about us, but Cadence is the best in the business in Oklahoma. We are. And we're here to stay. We've been here for 14 years almost, come February. Um, and um, we've kind of evolved into what we are now. And the way that we evolved to do 
you know, residential remodels, maintenance, roofing, uh, com big commercial construction, schools, police stations, stuff like that, um, has allowed us to really home in our skills and our ability to, uh, when it comes to disaster response, to be the best in the business. And, and you've got the commitment to it. You've got the people uh, here helping out. It's, um, it's unparalleled. And we are also, before we let you go, Gary, molds you're seeing a lot of it right now we're aren't seeing you? a lot of mold i actually just came from a meeting where we were at a fire loss um and uh, sometimes you have mold at fire losses but this is a separate issue and and it has a water intrusion issue that wasn't resolved and in the back of the house where the fire wasn't even at um and the mold's gr growing healthy healthy mold just growing up the walls so mold's out there it's still warm enough that it's still growing it hasn't gone dormant for the winter um, because mold does go dormant and then it comes back. I mean, that's part of it. There's a lot of science behind mold, and it's not just ghost spray. You know, I hear this day in and day out. Ghost spray, bleach on it, it'll kill it. Oh. Well, no, it doesn't kill it. It bleaches the color of it, but it's still there, and it's going to come back. And then that's the other thing I get a lot of. Well, I, killed, I sprayed it with bleach, but it came back. <laughs> well, yes, because bleach does not kill mold. And, you know, there's a, this industry is cutting edge. We're learning new things. The scientists that work in this industry are learning new things day in and day out. And one thing that is a common as a common thing that's wrong and misunderstood is blade breach on it. That's something over the last you know couple of years they've said no, it doesn't work. The scientists that work in this industry, they say it just just changes the color of it and it'll come back. Mm. There are special ways, special chemicals, special things that you have to be trained in to do this. This isn't uh, something that you know. Uh, Frankie's remodeling needs to be doing. This is something that somebody that's gone through hours and hours of training and development needs to come in and deal with for you. Mm. And it's because it is something that can affect your family's health, your employees' health, and it will. It will affect your family's health and it will affect your employees' health. There, there is big time litigation in this matter now over the last several years, and that's what's made the scientists step up and start looking at this stuff on the back end and everything uh, because it's become big time law lawsuits and law things now. So it's uh, when it comes to your health of your employees and your family and your tenants, um, you know, don't don't skimp on it. Make sure that you're protected as the owner uh, by calling a professional uh, professional in to look at it, test it, make sure it's right, and make sure it gets removed properly and doesn't come back. Great stuff as always, man. Yes, appreciate Thank your time, you. Gary. Thank you. Uh, good luck. Uh, well, good luck. I know you're going to be. Anything else to add? You want to add real quick? One thing, real quick. Real quickly, we've uh, started a new service. It's called Mold Free Construction, and Mold Free Construction is basically for Home builders, builders, people building homes, people building buildings. And what it is is uh, for many years now, uh, mold has been closed up into walls. Mm -hmm. When the sheetrock gets wood gets wet during the building process, mold starts to grow. It's closed up in the walls. So homes and buildings have mold issues. And then as they have water intrusion, they get way worse as they get older. We have created a new technique where we come in we inspect the property as it's being built and as it's being closed in and if there is mold in that process we'll eliminate it um, it's a consulting thing that we do so if you have a new home 
being built or you have a building being built and it's you know wood structure or anything like that that you're concerned that there might be mold there uh, before it's closed up you can call us and we'll come in and we'll do an investigation or we'll do a consulting um, and let you know what's going on and how to make sure sh your home is mold free before they start uh, sheetrocking the walls, putting insulation in and all that. Love it. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate Thank it. It's Gary Cavins, com. Quick break. We're back with Ted Roof on the ref. So I have a very important question for you, Josh Helmer. You ready? I'm ready. How different was the feel working with the steel man for the first? That was the first. No, it wasn't the first time, right, that you'd ever work with Steely? Because you guys had done a show together. How different is the feel noon to Three as a total one, two, noon to three, then nine to noon. Uh, it, yeah, I mean it's substantially different. The, I mean you're in the middle of the day, so. Right. Whereas you know for me it's you know wake up come in and, you know first thing is right here with you and and with the people. So, I don't know it. Uh, it I, I liked it, but look, uh, we've. I'd like to believe this is a, a nice pairing that we have. I feel a, good about a, it. A good rapport. I feel good about so it. So I missed you yesterday, but it was good. It was, it was weird. Now, tomorrow we'll be out at Riverwind, and I'm, uh, you went last week, right? So I'm pumped. I haven't been back at Riverwind in a while, so I can't wait to see what new stuff they have, and obviously big concerts coming up. So we'll be out at Riverwind tomorrow uh, and then over at OU on Tuesday. So you and – or Monday, excuse me. You and I don't get to hang back in studio until next Tuesday. What the heck's going on? Thanks to Gary for having us out here, though, at Cavens Group. Cavensgroup.com. Okay, I do want to get caught up on the text line, but I promised some Ted Roof. So um, here's Ted Roof talking about Kip Lewis filling in for Danny Stutzman. It certainly hurts, but, you know, we're not going to use that as an excuse. That's, uh, that's the unfortunate part of the bad part of an otherwise great game uh, as far as the game of football. But the injury part, it's, it's awful. But at the same time, uh, it happens. It happens to every team every week. And uh, Kip came in, and he was ready, and he was prepared, and did a nice job. And he, but he, that's been coming. Uh, but uh, I've been real pleased with Kip, and, you know, he took advantage of his opportunity. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. And, and, again, not knowing anything about the availability of Danny Stutzman, and uh, I, I brought this up a couple of times, and I, I, I don't necessarily know if I got the uh-huh. Uh, but I, I felt like I got at least a look of some affirmation. It appeared to me as if, you know, they don't have the green dot, obviously, in, in college football, you know, hence the the whole conversation about stealing signs, right? But when Danny goes out, like he did on Saturday, that green dot, you would think, naturally becomes a canic because of, you know, being in that position. And, you know, I, I think that was that was the lead into that question. So – so josh in other words they they tend to feel really really good about the way kip lewis developed and has developed and i can't help but wonder how much does it help if you're preparing all week and i don't know i would assume they're getting all the snaps right lewis canick and mckenzie that's got to help out in preparing for the week if you're in that position as opposed to being thrown into it right and you would imagine probably pretty far along in general and we've seen good play from all of those guys you've mentioned, but yeah, there's something to getting the full-time number one reps, especially in a game week where, where you're repping what you think you're going to see for the most part. All right. So what did Ted Ruth think of Ollie Gordon as he prepared for him? 
Uh, he's a tremendous player. Uh, and, you know, he kind of got, he's gotten them going. Uh, as they started to give him the ball more, uh, good things are happening for the, for the football team. And he's a uh, tremendous competitor, a physical runner. Uh, you see him run away from people, run through a lot. He breaks a lot of tackles is what is the first thing, how hard he runs. He's a slasher. Uh, and like you see some clips right there, uh, he's hard to bring down. And we're going to have to do a great job with our technique, our fundamentals, and the same time, population at the football. And uh, get a lot of hats to the ball. And then, like you said, with the evolution of, of uh, Gordon, you know, I think the last three weeks it's been 29 carries, 25 carries, 29 carries. So uh, he's getting the ball quite a bit. I mean, it's a, it's a tremendous challenge for us. And, uh, you know, one that our guys are excited about it at the same time. You know, we know what's in front of us, and we gotta we got to get it done. You know, the, the one thing, too, that I would add, I don't, and maybe this is just me. Again, this is my, I've won a couple of Madden championships, so I know how to call a game, right? But at least in what I've seen, Josh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of, like, trickery or gimmicky stuff that they're doing in order to get the ball to Ollie Gordon. I mean, it seems like it's just good old-fashioned, Turn around, hand them the football. They've done a couple of different things with them. But, I mean, there's – I guess my point is where we saw like 80 different formations from Kansas, that's not going to be what you get from Ollie Gordon in Oklahoma State. I mean, this is going to be very simple. You got you got to beat the block, and you got to go make sure you bring him down, right? This isn't going to be, oh, my gosh, they just shifted four wide receivers to the middle of the field. How are we going to defend it? This is going to be you. You gotta. You just got to go man up and beat them. And all of the extra window dressing for Oklahoma State. There's no reason to add all that in this no. week, right? No, because what you're doing is working, and uh, it's working to the tune of Ollie Gordon as the nation's best running back right now, yeah. Heisman type candidate right now. Absolutely. Would Would they consider adding any of that stuff? I mean. Just because they've seen maybe Oklahoma struggle with a little bit of it, or do you, you just do what you've been doing, right? That's been wildly successful. Oh, and, and you know, I'm sure there'll be some things that they'll throw in there that they've seen on tape that Oklahoma will struggle with, and I'm sure Josh, there'll be some things that, knowing that you know Danny Stutzman won't be 100 percent if he's out there or if he's not out there at all that they'll do. But yeah, no, there's. You got to be prepared for everything, but throughout the season, that hasn't really been Oklahoma State. I, I got one more here from uh, Coach Roof that I wanted to get to before we we put a wrap on our preview of of Coach's Corner. And you know, Ted Roof is a guy that has he's been around football for a long time, and he also knows that through the frustration, you've got to make sure that hey, you can't. You can't get down with the way that you've played. you got to man up and realize everything is right here in front of you. All the goals still are in front of us, uh, you know, and at the same time, the only way we're going to accomplish those goals is if we stay on the moment, stay where our feet are, and, you know, respect what it takes in the moment that we're in. And uh, our guys have, have had a great mindset, and our, our, we've got very strong leaders on our team, and that's something that Coach Venables and the staff is going to make sure our guys here quite frequently during the course of every day uh, because that's the that's the key to success, whether it's football, business, life, whatever, is being, being where you are making the, the best out of the, the, the moment where you are in your life. All right. 
Take a break. Come back. Get your tax. Top five stories of the day as well coming up on a very busy Thursday as we are on the road at Cave and Screw. It's the Plank Show with Josh Helmer right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into The Ref. This is the home of Sooner fans. To the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. It's become the most popular way to stay in touch with the program. Um, let's get a few in here. The Broken Arrow Fat Boy. What's the logic behind leaving actual running backs at home and then putting a receiver in the backfield? That makes no bleeping sense. I mean, Debo Samuels had success doing it. It's kind of been a staple of what Oklahoma has done in running wide receivers. And if they had a running back in the backfield, it wouldn't be Smothers or Hicks. So that's probably why. I understand because Jalil Farouk fumbled last week that it becomes more frustrating. But that wasn't new. That's something Oklahoma's done a couple of times. Uh, the five eight zero game reps for the young guys are the only thing that's going to help them see slash make those cuts. I agree, but Josh, what's that balance like between giving them their game reps and knowing that they, either from a health perspective, or an experience perspective, just haven't had that chance yet? That's a tough balance for a coach, I'm sure. Yeah, trying to decide when somebody's truly ready and when you can uh, feel confident in what they're doing. And obviously all of that is dictated on something we haven't seen, which is practice. We're talking about practice. Pastor Andy in BA, huge Gavin Sawchuck fan, but sitting almost on the field in Lawrence, I saw a Grand Canyon-sized hole that Gavin clearly looked right through and proceeded to run right into the trash. I don't know if it's confidence or he truly does not see the holes, but something seems off for him. Same thing with Javante Barnes. Same thing with Javante Barnes. Gavin needs more reps, right, Sooner Soldier? I think he needs more time to warm up, but they give up on him too fast. But I just think that's part of the, the offense, too. All right, quick break. Uh, we'll, we'll debate that more. It's fair point, Sooner Soldier. We'll dive into it next right here on the home of Sooner fans.